0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So today we're going to continue talking about going deeper in God. No matter where you are in God, there, there is a next step for you. In uh, Psalms 42 in verse seven, it says that deep calls to deep and it's the deep in God calling to the deep in you. In Proverbs 20 verse 27, it says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So when God's going to illuminate you, he's going to enlighten you. He enlightens you in your spirit. It's deep calling to deep. Jesus said, God is spirit, is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Romans chapter 1, the 21st verse, the Apostle Paul talks about how people walk away from God. And there's actually four progressive steps that he talks about as they walk away from the Lord. He says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, nor were thankful but became vain in their imagination. That's what we're going to be talking about today, right? And and it's not that their imagination is no longer working, but their imagination is working against them. They're using their imagination in the wrong way, and then their foolish hearts are darkened, lastly. So you take those in reverse, and it's literally a, a pathway to coming deeper in the things of God. So first of all, you glorify God as God. And we talked about the number one way we do that is by accepting the validity, the truth of the word of God. Secondly, we're thankful. And then thirdly, this is where we're at today, recognizing the power of our imagination. And the number one way that we do that is by meditating on the word of God. And that's literally imagining yourself doing the word and imagining how the word of God affects you. And then lastly, having a good heart. And uh, we'll get to that in just a couple of weeks. So Joshua 1.8 says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. So the, the purpose of meditation is to get the word down on the inside of us, change the way we think, change the way we see ourselves. And notice it says that you may observe to do. So the purpose of meditation is not so you just accumulate knowledge. Right? The purpose of meditation is so that we will do the word of God. So the word of God becomes so alive on the inside of you that you become a doer of the word in Romans chapter one, run, excuse me. Romans 12 verse one, it says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This translation, I've got the new King James says, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say your spiritual worship. But notice, first of all, it talks about the mercies of God or the grace of God, right? Um, We need to understand what God's grace is. Some people think God's grace is just God saying, oh, whatever you do is all right. It's just covered. But Titus says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us to say no. So what does God's grace do? It teaches you. It enables you to say no to the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? So by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. So first, we need to understand God's grace, that it empowers us, that it teaches us to say no. Then it says that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, normally, uh, they would make an altar, and they're going to sacrifice an animal. They kill the animal. And then they put the fire underneath. But the Bible says that you and I are going to be a living sacrifice. In other words, we get put on the altar and they put the fire on, but you're not dead. Yeah. So if you're going to present your body to God as a living sacrifice, you say, God, I present you my hands and I give you my hands to serve you. I give me my eyes to serve you. I I give you my ears to serve you. I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on your word. God, I give you my feet. I'm going to go where you want me to go. And God, I give you my loins. I'm going to, I'm going to serve you and love you with that part of my body. And you present your body to God as a living sacrifice. So here's what's going to happen. Your body is not going to want to do that. Now, you, I believe you know this, but, but your body is not saved. You see, I'm a Christian, yet your spirit's saved, right? And what we're trying to do today is get your soul saved. The Bible calls that renewing your mind, right? But your body's not going to get saved until Jesus comes back. Your body is crazy, right? You say, but I'm a Christian. Your spirit's a Christian. Get this, but your body is a heathen. You have a heathen body. Right? And your body wants to do crazy things. Right? So you present your body to God. And your body says, I want a fourth piece of pecan pie. And I want it now. And you say, shut up. No, you're not going to have more pie. Right? Your body says, but I want to do that. And you say, no, in Jesus' name, we're not doing that. Your spirit is taking dominion over your body. That's presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Now, by the way, I love King James. I believe it's the King James translation that says it this way, which is your spiritual worship. Most people think the only time they're worshiping God is when they've got their hands in the air and they're singing. But the Bible says it's spiritual worship when you present your body to God. And then it goes on. And it says, don't be like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Change the way that you think. So what's the Bible supposed to do? Change the way you think. How many of you know our society is thinking crazy? right? And the way that we're going to know God's thoughts is God's thoughts are in his word. So that's what we do. We take the word of God. We receive the word of God. And notice the, the, the result will be and you will prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Is it, we're going to know what the will of God is when we renew our minds, Right when we're meditating on the Word of God. Isaiah 26 in verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Right? The, the, the Hebrew here is shalom, shalom. Right? And uh, the repeating of it, that's why they call it perfect peace. Every time in Hebrew that it's amplified, it's repeated. It's an amplifier, right? You will keep him shalom, shalom, in perfect peace, whose mind, right, whose deep thoughts, right, whose meditation is stayed, is focused on you, right? And when it says mind, it's the, it's the Hebrew word yester, Y-E-T-S-E-R, right? And it literally means your deep thoughts, all right, your conception. Right? That's where you conceive things, right? where the, the, the Bible says, As a man thinks in his heart so, so is he, right? So you, you, you're meditating, you're thinking about those things, and that becomes a part of you. You'll keep him in perfect peace, shalom, shalom, whose deep thoughts, whose mind is stayed on you. Over 25 years ago, Jeannie and I were in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and we were, we were at a conference. And uh, the evangelist T.L. Osborne was there. How many of you ever at least heard of T.L. Osborne? A lot of you. All right. Um, T.L. for for 50 years um, spoke to some of the largest crowds. In fact, they they say it this way, that he and Daisy spoke to more people face to face than any couple that's ever lived. And probably any person that has ever lived. For over 50 years, went to over 70 different nations, speaking to crowds over 250,000 people. Week after week after week after week after week after week. But he made this statement while we were listening to him. Uh, he said, this, this was 25 years ago. He, he said that they had now at that time tabulated over a thousand different chemical secretions from the brain. Right? Now, here was the interesting thing that as you think different thoughts, your brain secretes different things. So he used this example. He said, you're thinking thoughts of bitterness, of revenge, of getting even. And he says, and it's like your brain is secreting rust and putting it into your joints. He said, but then you change and you begin to think thoughts of forgiveness. You start praying for that person. You bless that person. And and it is like your brain is secreting WD-40 putting it in on all, all of your joints. See, you, you, as, you, as you think in your heart, so are you. And The Bible says you'll keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. So many people have tremendous problems with anxiety, right? But if you'll keep your thoughts stayed on God and what he tells you, right? The Bible says you'll have that perfect, perfect peace, you know, meditation changes the way you see yourself. That's what it's supposed to do, right? Changes the way you see things around you. Uh, the psalmist said, the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. But again, meditation, its purpose is not just so you understand, not so you have knowledge. The purpose of meditation is that you will do, right? That you will do according to all that's written therein. So we want to get God's word. We want to be thinking about that word, we're meditating, we're pondering, we're talking that word. The apostle in 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Right? So when you just read the Bible and you just hear the Bible, it's planted, right? but an increase doesn't come until it's watered. Right? And watering is what meditation does. Right? I, I told you this last week, but, but this just illustrates the point so well. When, when our oldest son, Joshua, was one year old, we had him in a high chair, and we were feeding him spaghetti. Right? He had that little bowl of spaghetti, and he took it, and he flipped it and put it on his head. Right? Now, he had an experience with spaghetti, right? but he did not get any nutrition from the spaghetti. A lot of people have an experience with the Word of God. It's planted. You have an experience with the Word of God. But you're not getting any nutrition. You're not getting the benefit. The the anointing is not coming. The power is not coming. Your life is not changing because you're not meditating on the Word of God. That's when the Word is, is watered. And that's when increase comes. Right? That's when the anointing comes. That's when the power comes. That's when your life is changed. Not when you just have an experience with the Bible, right? but you have watered that word and it becomes alive on the inside of you. The psalmist says, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever. Right? So he's looking at all the things that God has done and he says, "That's that's our inheritance. What God has done is what he wants to do again. What religion does is this. Religion says that Jesus used to do great things. God did a lot. And someday in the future, God's going to do great things again. But there's nothing for today. Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. But the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says this. For the testimony of Jesus, what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy. What God has done is a spirit of prophecy. In other words, what God has done is what God wants to do today. What Jesus has done, he wants to do today. The Bible is not just about what God used to do and what God's going to do someday. It is for us today. In, In fact, in Hebrew, the word testimony, its root is do again. What God has done, he will do again. In Psalm 78, it says, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy, how he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoran, and he turned their rivers to blood and their floods that they could not drink. So, So here's what he's saying. He said, they didn't remember all the great things that God had done, and they expected God to do nothing, and they got about nothing. They limited God. God wanted to do more, but God couldn't do more because they forgot the things that he had done. So let me talk to you for a few minutes about how to meditate in the word of God. How do we meditate in God's word? Again, Psalms one, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law does he meditate day and night. So the first thing when it comes to meditation is you apply the word of God to yourself personally. I I have had so many people come up and say, wow, that was a great sermon. I wish Bob was here. We're we're, we're ready for Bob. We're ready for Bill. We're ready for Susan. Man, they needed that. But meditation is not applying it to Bob or Bill or Susie. Meditation is applying the word to you how does this affect me, right? If you're feeling uh, resentment towards somebody, you've got ill will towards somebody, right? And then Jesus said, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. So, So how does that affect you, right? So you're going to say, well, I need to forgive, right? I need to bless that person. I need to pray for that person, Right in forgiveness, it's not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. I need to do this. It's applying the word to yourself. It's thinking, how do I do this? Right. How am I going to pray for them? What am I going to do to bless them? Right. Secondly, meditation is allowing the Holy Spirit to make God's word a reality in your heart. To make God's word a reality. So you see yourself being who God says you are, doing what God says you can do, having what God says that you, that you have, right? You reject everything that's contrary to the word of God. In Psalms 119, verse 128, the psalmist said this. He said, therefore, I consider your precepts, your word, concerning everything to be right. And I hate every false way. So he's saying, God, you are right about everything and anything that is contrary to you that goes against you. I reject that. Right? Now, literally, that's what we call spiritual warfare. Second Corinthians 10, verse three. Now, let's go to verse four. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powered for the destruction of strongholds. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So our, our society is going in one direction, right? but the word of God over here is truth. Our society has got some sophisticated arguments mm-hmm. our society considers marriage a convenience mm-hmm. you know this is just a contract as long as this works out as long as I like you and you like me right mm-hmm. well that's not what the bible says I, I read an article a while back and they were talking about starter marriages mm-hmm. you get married for somebody you're young you get married for somebody if you figure in two to five years you know, and then you'll, you'll kind of outgrow that marriage and you'll get a divorce and you'll find another one. Right. Well, that's not what the word Je- Jesus said. What God has joined together. Let not man separate. Jesus said the two become one. Right. Malachi chapter two says that your marriage is a covenant. It's not just an agreement. It's a covenant between you, your spouse and God and God puts you together. God puts you together. The Bible says that there's a remnant. God's spirit is there and makes the two one. We're we're living in a society that believes that an unwanted pregnancy can be eliminated. But here's what I want you to understand. This is what the Bible says, that every person, and this includes the child in the womb, is created in God's image and God's likeness. Somebody said, well, I've got power over my body. No, there is a a child on the inside of you that is created in God's image and God's likeness, right? That's why you you don't have, you you know, Rousseau said, you think, therefore you are, right? And, of course, they followed that through. We've got Peter Singer teaching um, ethics in one of our, our colleges, and he says, well, he says, you think, therefore you are, and a young child, three months old, they are not self-aware. So if you kill an un- a, a child that's three months old, it's not like really killing a human being. Right? Now, they're teaching bioethics in one of the, the most I, ivory league schools in America. Right? And they think, they think, therefore, you are. No, you are valuable because you are created in the image and the likeness of God. And you are not... You are not valuable just when you come out of the womb. John the Baptist's mother was six months pregnant, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and leaped for joy in his mother's womb. Right? See, every child is created in the image and the likeness of God. Right? And we are, we, are, we are very... We prayed for nearly 50 years to see Roe v. Wade overturned. But how many realize that the battle just went to the States? It just went to the individual states. And we're so glad there are going to be lives that are going to be saved, right? But the battle is far, far from over, right? Because we live in a society that rejects the word of God, right? And if you reject the word of God, you, you don't understand that that person is God, in God's image and God's likeness, and God has a plan and a purpose. Now listen, you see, when a man and a woman are intimate, there's the possibility that you become co-creators with God, right? God put the seed originally in man and woman, right? And we become co-creators. But listen to me. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, that God is the father of spirits, right? God is the father of spirits. And that child has a spirit, is a spirit. And that spirit did not come from you. That spirit came from God. Right? And abortion is messing with God. The image and likeness of God and a spirit that came from God. Oh, didn't mean to get off on all that. All right. So 1 Peter. The weapons of our warfare. First Peter. Excuse me, 1 Peter. This is in, in 2 Corinthians again. In, in the uh, message translation, the tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they're for demolishing the entire massive corrupt culture, demolishing the entire, smashing our our corrupt culture. We use our powerful God-given tools to smash warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by God. Now, I want to talk about a scripture here from 1 Peter chapter 5 for just a moment. Um, This morning, I was meeting with a couple of our guys from our staff, and and, uh, we got talking, and and I brought up the scripture, and they said, you need to talk about that this morning. So here you go. The Bible says, be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, when it says, be sober... It's not talking about alcohol, right? Um, it's translated, other places, be sober-minded, right? But what it actually means is this. It means do not give yourself to negative speculation, right? Be sober. Don't give yourself to negative speculation. So you're walking in the hall, and somebody walks by you, and you're like, oh, they're mad at me. That's why they didn't say hi. They're rejecting me. All right? Somebody's talking. Oh, they're talking about me. They don't like me. They're avoiding me, All right? Negative speculation. Right. They didn't say hi because they're mad. I've had people say, hey, but by, by the way, I, I, get, I get so zoned out. I walk by you. It's not that I didn't lie. don't love you. I was just thinking about something else. And people, oh, he's mad at me. No, I didn't even notice. Ask Jeannie. She gets her hair cut and I don't know for three days. Confessed my sins again. Okay, <laughs> Negative speculation. You know, I will never get free from this problem. I'm going to be addicted the rest of my life. I'll never get out of debt. I will never be a success. I'll never be able to lose weight. My marriage is going to end in divorce. Negative speculation. Now, now here's what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because you're adversary the devil. You see, it, what, what's going to happen is you begin to let your mind go, and the devil is going to use that, right? Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you begin to have those negative speculations. Satan will take advantage of you. He will take advantage of you. And he will try to use that, Peter said, to devour you. Number three, carefully ponder how God's word applies to your life. Um, when you read the Psalms, uh, particularly that Psalm 119, it seems like like every 12 verses or so, it goes Sila. You know? uh, that actually means stop, ponder, think, apply, meditate, change. You just don't read over it right? You think, how does this apply to my life? When do I do this? Where should I do this? With whom should I do this? Number four, dwell on how the word from the Lord changes your life. This word, you get, you're, you're studying in the word of God. You see something. How does it change your life? Right. You, you find that he himself bore your sicknesses, carried your diseases. Well, how does that change your life? Well, no sickness or disease has right in your body right? It will, it will demolish the fear of sickness. When you find out Jesus said, when every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. What, how do you apply that to your life? Well, first of all, every time you, how many of you think you should pray at least once a day? So then every time that you pray, Jesus is saying, you need to check your heart So that tells me that number one, that you're going to have a lot of opportunities to get offended. Probably every day, you're going to have an opportunity to get offended. But this is such an important thing. And this can hinder your spiritual life to such a great degree that Jesus said, every time you pray, you need to forgive. So that tells me this, that you can forgive somebody and you can do it right, but the feelings can come back. What do you need to do? Pray for them again. Forgive them again right? You you, you apply that to your life, right? You see, you start applying the word of God to your life and you're going to see yourself as victorious. You're going to see yourself as the head and not the tail above and not beneath. You're going to see yourself as being blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. See, you're going to see yourself different as you apply the word of God to your life, right? Agree with what God says about you. You are who you says, who God says you are. You can do what he says you can do. Uh, you, you have what God says you can have. None of this, you know, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. You know. I have nothing. Well, that's not what the word of God says about you. Listen, Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. The rest of the verse. According to. To the power that's at work in you, that's at work in us. Somebody says, yeah, but it's God's power. Yeah, it is God's power, but it's at work in who? In you. And he can do more than you can ask or even think or imagine, right? But it's according to the power that's at work in you, right? You've got to believe that you are who God says that you are, that that power is working inside of you. Right? When you arrive someplace, the kingdom of God shows up because you're a carrier of the kingdom. Right? You begin to meditate on these things. This is what Paul said to Timothy. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them and your progress may be evident to all. Right? You begin to give yourself to meditating on the word of God and there will be progress in your life. Right? You won't just have it planted and you just won't water, but God will give the increase. Number six, see yourself as God sees you. Right? Again, back to Romans 12 and verse 2. Change the way that we think. Change the way we think. Um, for the last two years, I think, Jeannie has been carrying a book around along with her called Pep Talk, Terry Seville Foy's book. I saw it yesterday on her bedstand, stand, all right? And, and it's just a book that gives you a lot of confessions of what God says about you. And Jeannie's just been carrying it around, watering and watering and watering and watering what God's word says about her, that word that's been planted. And the Bible says God will give the increase. And then lastly, in meditation, realize the integrity of God's word. Realize the integrity of his word. God said this, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that's going out of my mouth. Jeremiah said that God is watching over his word to perform it. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. He said, but my words will by no means pass away. In Psalms 138, the psalmist wrote and said, you have magnified your word above your name. In other words, if God does not do his word, he is not God. See, when we recognize the integrity of God's word, that that word is trustworthy, and we focus on that word, right? The Bible talks about Abram. God comes to Abram and promise, makes him a promise. He says, your descendants are going to be like the sand of the, of the sea, sand on the shores, The sand on the earth. Your descendants are going to be like the sand. And then he comes to him and says, and your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. Can you imagine that? Abraham is out there in that Arabian desert. And God says, your children are going to be like the sand on 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 the ground and like the stars in the sky. At night, he looks up. There's the stars. During the day, he walks out of his tent and there's sand. That promise that God gave him constantly before him. And then the Bible tells us that God changes his name. His name was Abram, which means exalted father. And he changes it to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. Now, there's, there's, to me, there's, there's a difference, but it's a, let me think that's a small difference. Not like huge. But here was the difference. When he was born, his father, Terah. Gave him the name exalted father, but God gave him the name father of a multitude right? and changed his name. And every place he went, everybody he's talking to, they're, they're, they're calling him Abram. He's changed. No, 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 no. I'm now Abraham. I'm the father of a multitude because God says I'm the father of a multitude. Now, here's what God was doing. God was changing the way he was thinking about himself. Every time he'd get out at night and see those stars, every day he'd see that sand. Every place he'd go, he'd have his name. God was changing the way that he saw himself. And this is what the Bible says. He became fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. And you and I, that's what needs to happen to us. Right? You, you may not have God come and talk to you about the stars or the sand. But God has given you promises in his word. The Bible calls them exceeding great and precious promises. But those things, they're planted. We water them through meditation. And then God gives the increase. Let me just close with a little story. I I mentioned T.L. Osborne earlier. Um, T.L. and Daisy Osborne, uh, very young. I, I think that he was 20 and she was 19 when they went to India as missionaries and they failed miserably. He said, we had our Bible and we went and we talked with the Hindus and we went and we talked with the Muslims and we'd say, the Bible says, and they would pull out the Quran or they would pull out their, their Holy book. And, and they would say, yeah, but our book says, and he said, and both of them were black. Both books were black. Both of them were supposed to be from God. And he said, we came back from India as failures he said they hadn't won one person to Jesus. They to pastor in a church in the northwest. He said, and a man came to town. He said, and we went to his meeting. He said, and we saw as he was praying for the sick, and we saw people being healed right in front of our eyes. In fact, he said, a man came to our city preaching and ministering to the sick. We witnessed hundreds of conversion and instant miracles of healing. And he said that verse just exploded on the inside. The verse in Mark 16, that says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, I sat in that auditorium, watched Christ minister through that humble man. 10,000 voices were swirling around in my head saying, you can do that. That's what Jesus did. That's what Peter did. That's what Paul did. That proves that the Bible is God's word. You can do it because that's the way they did it in the Bible. He saw himself doing it, right? Meditated on it, right? Watered that word, went back to their church Had a meeting. He said, bring the sick. And God healed the sick. People got saved. And literally, the rest is history. For over 50 years, in 70 nations, tens of thousands of people getting saved every time. People being healed, coming out of wheelchairs, crutches, blind eyes opening. You know what happened? He saw God's word alive on the inside of them. I can do what God says I can do. I have what God says I have. You are who God says that you are. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And you're a believer. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. All right. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? No. And if you would, would and you can, could you take hands with somebody that's near you? And I, I want to say this. There's nothing that you can do to get God to stop loving you. In fact, there's nothing you can do to keep God from loving you the same. You see... He wants to be to you, the God who forgives. And there is no life so dark, no valley so low, (laughs) no sin that shocks God, no attitude so bad, no sex so perverse, no relationship so appalling, no pit so deep, no addiction so dreadful, and no life so empty that Jesus' blood cannot reach down and cleanse you. Jesus said the thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you new. And God specializes in impossibilities. Jesus is saying to you today, come home to God. He's saying in my Father's house there is room for you. Now, we're going to pray a prayer right now. And if you'll pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. And you're going to be right with God. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And if you'll pray from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray this out loud, to make these words your own. Just say, oh God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over sin. Death. And the devil. And I give him all of my heart. And all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus. As my king my Lord and my Savior. I turned my back on my old life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I'm forgiven. That I'm a part of your kingdom. Part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.